Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Coleman. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. That's called a quarter blood technique. You do that, the quarter blood drops out of a man's body. Operation Strange Fruit proceeding according to plan. I anticipate penetration and acquisition at 2100 tomorrow. Hold on. Fuck off. Hey, Bubbles, man. Say, when I was growing up, if we wanted a jacuzzi, we had to fart in the tub. Cue that motherfucking theme song, baby. Cue the 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 theme song. Cue the theme song. Cue the theme song. Cue the theme song. Oh, see, I made Lewis a bet here. See, Lewis bet me that we couldn't both get rich and put you on the poorhouse at the same time. He didn't think we could do it. I won. Sounds to me like you guys are a couple of bookies. It was the dopes. It was the dopes. Get the fuck out. Money isn't everything, Mortimer. Oh, grow up. Say, man, when I was growing up, we wanted jacuzzi. We had to fart in the tub. Back the fuck up. Beef jerky? No, no, son. Thank you very much. No, it gives me the wind. Something terrible. All right. 1983. You guys feeling comfortable? Maybe do you want to do some trading places? Uh, John Landis directing. Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, most famously, but also Jamie Lee Curtis. Don Amici, Ralph Bellamy. Denholm Elliott. We all love him. Uh, yeah, 1983 uh, comedy f- film. Uh, kind of a very interesting story uh, about some people, the Dukes. The Dukes are these absolutely rich guys, big on the stock exchange, trading, making money, making money. And uh, this young man, Winthorpe, works for them. And Winthorpe, he's um, he's uh, got a silver spoon up his butt. He's come accustomed to the good life. He has a manservant, Coleman, uh, who seems pretty awesome. He has Penelope. Everything seems perfect. And one day at the club, he runs amok of Eddie Murphy. Um, yeah. Things don't go too well for Eddie uh, from there, who's Billy Ray Valentine. He gets arrested. Uh, he is a, uh, a homeless, I guess, street beggar con man. You don't know too much about his life prior to what's happened, um, but he was definitely homeless. So after the- getting arrested... The Duke brothers decide to lay a little bet for a dollar that um, Randolph says that he can take Eddie Murphy, basically, and make him into captain of industry. Uh, and Don Amici, the slightly more racist and conservative brother, says, that's not possible. It's science versus environment. And off we go um, as they swap out the dude's lives. And see what's what. We have a couple of laughs along the way and run into some hookers and um, hookers with hearts of gold. The 80s was uh, good for that, I suppose. There's so. There's that. There's that. His wealth, Dan Aykroyd's wealth in this is, is, seems excessive uh, for what well, he does for a living. Like his wealth is it's like. excessive ins- for not owning his own fucking house. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah. 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 He, his wealth is insane. Like to have a manservant and a driver taking you in a Rolls Royce to work that's he's his he seems like he's living a little high on the hog for his station but maybe if he's making those guys the money they don't they just they don't give a fuck because I think he says at one point he has a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in that bank behind him or whatever and yeah but it was 83 yeah so it's not that much money he's like he's he has a hundred and fifty thousand dollars and he's like that up and that was like two million dollars 
which is not insignificant. That's also just his cash. No, assets, that I was thought. what they. So that's what they made on the stock was four million dollars. I was talking about what he had. He said he had. But in that's the bank. what. That's what John said. No, no. In yeah, real I was saying the hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's right. In today's money, that's two million. So one hundred and fifty back then was a significant. A He's significant living like a billionaire though. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but people weren't as rich back then. Yeah, he was. I mean, the other thing is that um, both the house and the servant work for uh, Mr. Dukes, the Dukes. Yes, that's correct. But so does um, his fiance, basically. So it's kind of like a perk. It's a perk, right? Like you you come work for this company. If okay, so here's an interesting thought that I had as I was watching it this time around. Later on, they don't really make an offer to Eddie Murphy like for a salary. They tell him what they'll be paying him, which has got to be ridiculous to Eddie Murphy's mind. But they say eighty thousand dollars. I wonder if that is commensurate with perks, what, um, with the perks. Winthorpe was getting paid. Obviously, the perks were all on top of that. So the salary was going to be 80K, and then you get this house, this car, this servant, you know, whatever you want. So, like, it is perks on top. I mean, the house, that was an insane house, so that's a huge perk. In New York um, City, and that a, place a, a, would have been so expensive in the 80s, the place he lived in. Oh, my, in New yeah, York City. And a live-in manslave would be, I don't know, for back then, like, um, Coleman probably made, like, 50k a year and a chauffeur like and a car at his bidding everything and i like a everything. rolls royce at his bidding or uh yeah so like it that, was that was crazy wealth yeah they hit you they i mean they 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 hit it right away with um they do shots in the opening around dan Aykroyd's place winthorpe's place and it's coleman like tidying up and polishing silver and then it shows like all the all the homeless um, street people, all that kind of stuff, going back and forth as it plays the um, the classical music that goes with this. Um, what's that track called um, that the movie starts out to? It's just it's perfect when you're when you have a movie that has anything to do with wealth and uh, being lavish. He also gets um, breakfast, bed fits. service, and he also gets shaved straight razor shaved by the same dude. <laughs> like in the morning when he wakes up, he gets a fucking probably a hot towel right away, and then. Straight razor shaved. So, like, once again, who oh fucking yeah. does this job that doesn't need to do this job? Like, he is there in the morning, first thing before Ackroyd gets up, and yeah. he basically puts him to bed at night. He dresses him. He fucking does everything for this. Like, there's nothing Ackroyd does. I'd, I'd be surprised if he fucking wipes his own ass. So, this guy never gets a fucking day off or any time off at all. I oh, guess never. his time yeah, off would be when Ackroyd's at the office, but he'd be cleaning the house probably and making dinner and shit. Yeah, he's not going on vacation because not everyone's going to know what his needs are. Like, this guy's locked in. There's um there's this type of manservant, and then um, to oppose it and maybe modernize it a little bit, the, the Thomas Crown affair with um, Pierce Brosnan. He has a, a manservant in that one. Um, and these are the two opposites. Like, the, like um. Uh, Coleman is like a straight butler, like of the formal kind that most people like us would find weird. Like if, if we had man or, or, or women servants, I suppose <laughs> that just sounds weird. It does. If we it's... had servants though of some kind, like probably I'd be like, you don't dress up in the, in the penguin outfit, right? It's just doesn't fit. They, but like, then again, it looks like Winthorpe got off on that. He's probably like, brought up that way. He was woken um, up by the guy, given breakfast in his bed by the guy. Like that kind of shit is insane. And like, I also don't know who would want that. Coleman, strange suck in, my dick. Strange yeah. and true. It's a, yes, in, it, it just doesn't right go away, kind sir. of with today's lifestyle. I don't. No one wants that kind of stranger's intrusion into their life. 
They'll they'll get them fucking selves out of bed, and no matter how rich you are, I couldn't what see are you like about? A, people welcome strangers into their lives at a bigger capacity now than they <laughs> ever have before. But do you think? But do you think a Bill Gates or a Steve Jobs or a Jeff Bezos have a guy who brings them, wakes them up, brings them a breakfast? One hundred percent. Jeff Bezos probably has a guy that works for his guy. Yeah, that gets paid <laughs> yeah. like a dollar. Who gets an paid hour. the same. Well, I was gonna say a lot. Well, maybe. Yeah. Well, we'll go with your thing. <laughs> like just 80 outsource it, dude. I just <laughs> yeah. I, Bezos doesn't really pay any of his employees well, so I just kind of assume. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> they just outsource it. It's just oh it, it's a. That's I think hilarious. it's a kind of wealth that it's not that it doesn't exist anymore, but I don't think a lot of people like live with even super wealthy billionaires live with this kind of wealth. And I could be totally wrong. Who knows what they do, but. But yeah, the, the dressed manservant in the in the three piece suit, it's a bit much. Anyway, uh, he's got a lot I of know, money. It, but it does. It's it's going. The, the film's going over the top to. Oh um, yeah. To set up the to set the up humor. the split that we're and about to see. It's funny. Too. Yeah. It's comedy. And this yeah this movie has a lot of um um really kind of even even humor. Um, this movie, like, this isn't a movie where I'd watch and be like, wow, that humor totally doesn't fit. That gag doesn't work. They went over the top with the physical here. Um, this is all, this is all good, 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 consistent comedy in this movie. I never found myself like falling out of the the narrative or, um, having jokes that weren't landing like we've seen in some of the movies we've done lately. Well, it's super competent too. Yeah. The tone is good and it is grounded. They, yeah. I mean, in some kind of a reality, for sure. It's not, it's not like so fake or anything. Like it feels grounded. Yeah, this that's was a designed good, for that's Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, eh? Yeah, I read really? that. And then apparently, yeah. when Richard Pryor had bailed out of the project, and Eddie Murphy came on board, he did not want Gene Wilder to be associated with the project because he didn't want to be considered, you know, like he was trying to be a Richard Pryor replacement. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he had that to get totally Gene Wilder off the project because he didn't, you know, want to just be somebody else. He wanted to be himself. And, I mean, no. that would not have worked. Like, I don't think Gene Wilder could have pulled off. I don't think this role was for him. Oh, I think Wilder oh, could have done it. Wilder would have pulled it off more as, like, an Arthur type, I think. Uh, yeah, he. that's what I mean. You needed a straight man for this, though. I feel no, like definitely. It's, it's better that, that, that Gene Wilder would have been a little too silly. I think anyway, that's just my opinion. I think Dan Aykroyd's a great fit for this. He, he has this Dan Aykroyd has this like unassuming humor way about him, like where he can he can pull off the big over the top facial expressions and and accents like he does Winthorpe so well and he's got to he's got to do a lot, right? He's got to go like crazy and be screaming and then be um depressed and all that stuff, but then mostly it has to be like pompous and confident and and have that 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 air about him and I think he he does it really well. I, I really appreciate him in this movie. He's um, he's super consistent. He's great across from Eddie too. When they you know the, they have some of this movie apart, but when they're together, they play off each other well. Uh, Eddie Murphy, like once again, uh, he's God. He's fucking charming, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. He's I, one I of those just guys. watch him and I totally get it. And when he's like, no matter what he's doing, it, it, just in these early movies of his, he just has this great way of carrying himself and. Engaging in awkward and straight conversations and important conversations and joking with people and then like having serious conversations again. Like it's just, it's also, he does it all so well. 
Yeah, Eddie there's Murphy few people. stuff doesn't feel like bits. It feels like extensions of his personality. Like when he's like, because there's even like that line that I did for the intro where he's like, when I was young, we didn't have like a jacuzzi. We had, if we wanted bubbles in the tub, we had to fart or whatever. Yeah, like that's that's got to be a straight up Eddie Murphy joke that he wrote for a bit. That's that's stand up. Yeah, um, but he does it in the show and it it pulls off as not stand up. I I find that jokes like that can kind of fall flat for me a little bit. Yeah, um, quite often because they feel like they're out of place, but. Eddie Murphy just has a knack for for being that jovial, like charismatic guy. He can he can be super funny and then he brings it down and he can be like have a real straight conversation for a minute and then right back to something funny. He's, yeah. he's fucking brilliantly competent. Him and him so, for charming actors, like the two two I think are the like when you say charming, it's such a good word for him. And Bill Murray, it's the same thing. Like, goddamn Bill Murray is a charming motherfucker. He yeah, just is like he like Groundhog Day is a perfect example. He's such a dick in that, and he's so goddamn likable. He's so mean and arrogant and egocentric. And and I don't know if Eddie Murphy plays characters like that ever. Does he play? Not really. His characters always have ego. They're always cocky. But yeah, but they because he not, pulls that off well. But they're not dicks, right? They're not. He never plays like a, an asshole or a dick. I don't think. No, they're never the biggest dick. They're never doing their jokes or whatever for to like that harm other people. He's just you know he'll yeah. one up them. He'll let them know when he's right and and when he's won. Like in Beverly Hills, he does Cop. that whole thing very well. Yeah, yeah. He he's does so totally confident. Really well. He's just so confident as that character and and like Brent says, charming. There's just uh, he's just so likable. It's and it's so funny because. Apparently in person he is he's very much the same. He's yeah. uh, attra- he just attracts people when they get around him and they want to be near yeah. him and talk to him. So it yeah, really, he he this movie's old too. Like how old is this Johnny? This is eighty three, so it's like forty almost forty years. Oh my god! Um, and so like to, when you have two good leads like that, um, it helps to have like you know the the, the second tier actors and actresses hold up and. Um, What's her name? Jamie Lee Curtis does really well in this. Um, yeah. The Dukes are the Dukes do their job really well. Coleman's super um, likable. Coleman's super likable. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. I don't know that the quartet of friends from the club are kind of, <laughs> but they don't. They're just they're supposed to be weird and and at somehow um, somehow getting to that level of comedy. That scene in particular that I was thinking of, where they were singing to the girls in the club and and their little quartet thing the friends of uh, Winthorpe before he goes in dressed up amazingly to ask them for a loan. Um, that whole singing scene could have seemed like out of place or like a skit, like Brent said before, but they somehow, they somehow made it seem like it was just a bunch of douches singing to their girls. The thing that you kind of do in this gentleman's club, right? So that uh, that's all been established, made it, made such it a weird like, thing to do. Isn't it? <laughs> but it also like, that's what rich people do. I don't know. Like that's, that's the sense I got. I don't question. I'm like, I guess that's what, and I guess those girls would be, um, Charms. Uh, uh, impressed by that. And like, like that is, I guess that's what they did at Harvard. And let me tell you, you know, no girl before. that you honestly want to fuck is impressed, <laughs> impressed when you sing that. like that, like a barbershop quartet. <laughs> no girl that's going to fuck you good is like, Oh, I love Especially the bass. No one's whatever. like, Ooh, that low voice. You chip back it. Well, Barry White fucking lay it down, but of course, uh, of course, I don't think in a barbershop quartet manner. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, super weird. Don't fuck a girl that wants you to do that. 
yeah but but um uh, like i was saying all of the all the acting in this movie is 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 solid they're they're like i'm not saying the whole thing is perfect but um there there are definitely some a little inconsistencies even for a comedy like this um but but for the most part everyone nails what they're supposed to be doing and plays the plays it in the way that it works for the movie so that means that the direction and and the writing in this movie is pretty good and i gotta say like as well the the structure of this movie is a little strange it has to be for the story's um purpose and outcome eventual outcome so um maybe that's something we could spend a little bit of time uh, talking about is um so you have the the two characters they both have to go through their thing and figure out a resolution like solve their problem go figure out they got to go up against the dukes and then we got like at least 20 minutes more of the movie to wrap that part of the story up so there's like there's a big all is lost kind of moment with dan Aykroyd, and he's gonna kill him. he pretty much well, tries to kill himself he shoots himself um, but it that doesn't yeah go he off. like tries to shoot himself and he takes um, a bottle of pills yeah so like he's, the he's like triple tried um and uh so that's like the you know the dark night of the soul and and that's overcome and then there's still a lot more to go um does that kind of additional last minute seem like a tack on or or like too much for you guys to handle getting it's, that resolution for the dukes it's this that, that structure is pretty common where where you have a little bit longer that that 20 minute like third act stuff so i think that works okay structurally for me but the one thing that I forgot, didn't really notice before that I noticed this time is this is really just the dual fish out of water story, which is interesting because um, the Dan Aykroyd character in prison when they're arresting him is some of my, the, my favorite stuff. And it's because <laughs> he's like cannot, he doesn't actually think they have the authority to do this to a human being because he's never had it done to him. He's like this you guys can't do this. He's like actually trying to tell people at the cop shop. He's like, are you, are you guys seeing what they're doing, doing over here? Like what's going on? This is crazy. But it's just like the, and the cop, of course, everyone, all the cops and the criminals are like, this guy's soft as fuck. And he's going to die in this jail. It's, it's so funny when he, when he gets out and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, those men tried having sex with me. (laughs) That shit still works. The writing and the acting and the directing, all that shit still works for me like really well. Actually, I feel I mean, like it works better now. It's funny considering how many videos I see on a weekly basis of someone like doing something in front of a cop that they shouldn't be. And the cops are like, uh-uh, and take them down. And then the look of shock and surprise or someone like thinks they can... white people, by the way. It's, I it's know. people that have never had a problem before and they're just like, yep. what the fuck? There was a guy that yep. I saw a video of that he got pulled over by the cop. He just decided they didn't like that cop. So his wife calls the police station to tell them that the policeman isn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. And the guy drives away from the cop. Like, like people are so entitled, right? I think that's what this movie does really well is it's actually a great commentary on society. Cause like Eddie Murphy tries to pick up his backpack and give it or his briefcase and give it back to him at the beginning. Yeah. And he's taken as the criminal, right? Yeah, all, totally. all Winthorpe has to do is be like, he's stealing from me. Like, it's all that fucking racism, right? It's like, yeah. exactly. And of course, like, what are you going to do? He's the one that goes to jail, right? And then later, there's a bunch of exhibits of that, too. The fact that yeah. Winthorpe isn't imprisoned with all the fucking shit he gets into is, again, oh like another God. big uh, another big comment. Oh, yeah, he does crazy shit. He gets a gun, oh. like, pretty soon into you- his endeavors, too. 
this is yeah. this is definitely a show um we hope that there's a lawyer who listens out there who can comment on this because to my knowledge while they just made a fuck ton of money a the way they made that money was completely illegal because they just stole the crop reports instead of the other people well i guess they stole the stolen copy but still that was a fucking pretty heinous crime i did some research on what they did and it's not a crime apparently it wasn't a crime until this movie what they did so it was frowned upon but there was no rule against it to, to basically take insider knowledge and try and corner a market until this movie. And so when this movie came out, when they created the, the rule, the actual rule's name is the Murphy rule. So the rule <laughs> where you can't do this is uh, named from the movie, which I think is really funny. What, it's That's like hilarious. insider training rule? Yeah, that you can't use inside information to try and corner the market on something is the Murphy rule on Wall Street. It was in uh, it was in the trivia on IMDb. So perhaps nice. that's maybe not the best source to find laws in the United States. <laughs> but I, I don't know if anyone would put it in there just as a joke, maybe. Um, even though they made a bunch of money from that uh, endeavor, whether that was legal or not, um, Winthorpe ran around a party waving a 1911 pistol at people sweeping multiple people multiple times and yeah. pointing guns directly and threatening certain people mm-hmm. um yeah they you also can't, planted drugs you can't do that yeah it also could be yeah that that could definitely go against him there too so all the duke brothers would have to do is turn around and, and press charges for that maybe and there'd be a couple of witnesses who'd be like yeah it was crazy winthrop was in a fucking santa outfit waving a pistol and then it but would the- be like okay well Welcome back to uh, America, Mr. Winthorpe. You are going to live a happy life, I guess, after you serve five years in prison. But nobody's going to listen to them because they are they have no money anymore. Um, yeah, pretty much, I guess. <laughs> and they, to, the other guys have, we'll have the money. That's what have to assume. Yeah. Um, I also did appreciate a little bit how um, the charges that they brought against Winthorpe for the uh, money theft would never stick because... Um, you know the the beak says that one of his operatives witnessed the theft but there was obviously no operative because beaks planted the money on him which that all was a very specific um ceremony that they went through Um, yeah yeah i have to say yeah but anyway but that then they had to do the second step of having the drugs planted on winthorpe by the cops to you know basically there's no there's no question that he's guilty and so, like, because there was no witness for the first crime, Winthorpe would have been out of prison right away. But the second double deuce of drugs, like, just sealed his fate. So Angel dust. PCP. Yeah. I still don't know why Winthorpe couldn't have somehow gotten a lawyer involved. So he could have went to some attorney, you know, who maybe could have looked at the evidence and been like, wow, this guy's right. Like, they did just wipe his bank accounts. His, like, job turned over. He has no records. This is suspicious. Okay, maybe I'll take this case. It would have slowed um, down the plot incredibly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm making a different movie, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's that good. When it hit the train tracks. <laughs> um, this movie definitely in the early '80s um, has the um, uh, uh, racist racist content coming through that doesn't sit quite as well right now. The Dukes are pretty anti having Eddie Murphy run their company. They use some bad words there. So that's that's sad. That doesn't hold up at all. Those guys are flat <laughs> racist. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. It's true. Yeah. It suits the characters, though. 
It absolutely does. Yeah. Um, so what is it? What is it about this movie? Um, that like think of some of the crazy things that happen and some of the individual scenes that have um i don't know that the whole santa scene um is kind of one there's, there's so much craziness going on how does this movie keep from things being like um skit pieces um i guess it's the story that that just keeps everything coming back together and the characters that can handle the comedy that they're that they're kind of doing it was the dukes it was the dukes <laughs> There was some things that kind of pushed the limits for me. I, I thought it was a coincidence when they when they run into each other, they see each other and the opposing cars going the opposite direction. He's like, That's the man. Right there. I thought I thought that was a little silly, but actually after you guys were talking about it and saying you kind of needed something to uh you needed something to beef it up, uh I think that actually makes more sense. It yeah, just, it, just, it just draws more towards like it's just an it's another inching towards um, them realizing something is amiss, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I and think it also crazy does well every time he sees yeah, it too. Yeah, Winthorpe goes a little bit more crazy every time. Um, it's it's so funny. Another scene Dan Aykroyd pulls off like really well is is when he's lying in bed recovering from his fever and he looks in the newspaper and there's the story about Eddie Murphy and his picture. And he's, yeah. and he's, he turns evil like on a dime. He's like Christmas, hey! I'll give him a Christmas. I'll never forget. <laughs> I don't know about that one. No, it's it's insane. I feel like you would have caught. I would have caught that. Just his lines. I would have had his reaction and then cut that. I don't think he needs his weird lines. I, yeah, I, that I didn't agree with. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I'll show you Christmas. Funny. With that kind of humor present. to me is a lot of what like exemplifies this this time is like that little bit of like pushing the bar a little bit silly sometimes even on like just a normal comedy i think it's fucking great yeah i laughed like, at it for sure when he did it yeah this um yeah the, the the laughs do keep on coming through in this movie and they're they're good i mean I just I don't hate any of the comedy. I laugh I laugh like pretty much the whole way through the the whole goddamn thing. Um, the guys in the prison are super hilarious when Eddie Murphy's acting like a tough guy talking about his kung fu, and the other yeah. two guys are in there like, yeah. "Would you say you got your limousine?" And then later on, it works out that um, that he uh, <laughs> they see him again in the bar when he actually does have the limousine out front. So that out worked out very nicely for yeah. Mr. It was exactly the life he. The life yeah. he described was exact what he got, which was funny, actually, and interesting. It was something something interesting that happens throughout that whole segment is is uh, Eddie Murphy quickly after, you know, basically winning, well, winning the lottery, um, <laughs> getting hooked up with the Dukes. And then he like goes out and like starts throwing his money around and realizes that he's going to surround himself with the wrong people and that he can get taken advantage of. So he like almost quickly turns a dime into becoming going from homeless, like, um, I don't know. He's not really a confidence man. Whatever the hell, like, hey, I'm a war veteran. I'm gonna, you know, swindler on the street to to being responsible guy in an office. He makes that turn way quicker, and it's Dan Aykroyd's character that has the more drawn out kind of arc. Um, well, his is a little easier to adjust to, I think, being rich. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess he had, he had, he wonder. does it, yeah. adjust to the job way too soon. Like the advice he's giving those guys in the restaurant and stuff when they're all out for dinner seems uh i didn't that didn't feel honest or grounded to me it's all to me it all it all 
makes sense because basically they're just saying like he was a con man and all these guys are is con mans with bigger bank accounts, right? With with it like w- a legal illegally accepted con. It was just See, a language. So he, just, he, so he falls into it. Yeah, but he wasn't he was using, using anything like overly intellectual he, or he like just like specific. Like- he was using he was using terms and stuff that he shouldn't have known. Is all I'm saying. I, 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 I there's very there was a little of that th- information. There wasn't a ton of that for sure, but there was once or twice where he sounded he sounded like he'd been in that role for a few years, not a few days. Yeah, um, I even but what, right I, away, what I would like, have liked. What are we even doing? Months or weeks. Yeah, yeah. What I would have liked is just slightly more of some acknowledgement that Eddie is like, what? This is a job. Like, this is easy, and relate it to something that he does. Because like they sit him down to train him, and we have a fourth wall break in the in their you know their explanation. Because the way they're explaining it to him, like understanding what a commodity is, is not a hard thing to grasp. But the commodities market is slightly more complex, right? And trading yeah. on the commodity markets even more so. I don't need a lot here. I just needed something for Eddie to like slip into that role as successful as he was through like one comment around. It's just like dealing um, cards on the street, playing, you know, three card Monty or it's it's this, that, the other thing that I can relate to. So therefore, I do this well. He does say that exactly. He says, what is he? He says, says, you guys are. Yeah, you guys are just bookies. Bookies. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I get it. And then he runs with it. Like that's what to me makes sense. Is exactly what you're looking for. They put in there. But to at me, the dinner, but at the dinner, he's not talking like that. He's talking like a commodity guy. And then he makes a jo- an offhanded joke about a woman's diamonds or whatever. And I was like, uh huh. But before that, the shit he's <laughs> saying sounds like he knows he's been doing this, like John said, for a while. But he's only yeah, been doing think, it for like a I day. Think that's the gag is that it's and, like John's saying is that he's yeah. But what are we doing? We're gonna fucking spend a three month montage watching him fucking no, train. you don't. Like, you just get the no, fucking thing. That's moving. a good We're idea. No, yeah, I'm more backstory. Just, yeah, more. Just, let's do an origin story. I'm saying you that's take fucking, his, It's not good. This is the I'm best way. You it just trucks. His, no, I'm saying take his dialogue down. I'm not saying make it. I'm just saying make him talk more like a street guy. But they're like, oh, I get what he's saying. But instead, he's like, this commodity, this, and then the oil, sh- and these, and then the oil sands. No, this. that it's spoils like, it. He's not a street about? guy. He's falling into the lifestyle. That's the whole point of the movie, isn't that? He's a street guy that can also scam people. Well, then we don't need it's the that whole he stuff falls about about into the bookie, Then that doesn't. Then that doesn't make any sense. That's Why? That shows that he understands the job. <laughs> Yeah, so he understands the job. We see evidence of it. And I was going to say, relevant to John's thing earlier, when John said that he has an easier time folding into that than Winthorpe does folding into the homeless thing, it's because Eddie Murphy's life is shit before he gets this. So when he gets put into that rich situation, like you'd be more inclined to be like, yeah, okay. Like if I'm just going to roll with this, I'll just roll with this. But if you go from being very wealthy to all of a sudden you're a fucking homeless guy, like sleeping on a hooker's couch... You're you're not gonna just accept that. That's not a move up. That you're just gonna be like, okay, cool. Like that you're gonna fight that tooth and nail and be like, no, yeah. no. Especially the motivation, if you're entitled to that lifestyle. Yeah, That's obviously the, point. the motivation is there. It's just for me. It seems like they make him so low in the beginning. It's not like he's one of us who actually kind of has a job where we work like, you know, we all go to work on a computer all day and stuff. He was in a cart. He was pushing around, pretending he had no legs. And then he goes to that in like two days. So I'm just saying it's a little too quick is all I'm saying. So um, really interesting with this movie is the um, the last scene in the uh, in the trading pit when they're going at that stuff. Um, that's where I'm like... <laughs> 
I, that trading stuff looks like absolutely insane. And I don't think that's exactly how they do it today. But any movie that's got that stuff going on in it. And I think there's probably been even a few movies that dove deeper into it to maybe try and even explain what the fuck is going on with what they're writing and screaming and signaling with the hands apparently and how anything anything gets processed in, in any mode of a timely manner. So um, I can't put it together how that was supposed to work back then. Yeah. Like I can't say that it was exactly the same as this, but I have seen videos of the crazy stock market and I have no idea what the process there is, how that can happen. Yeah. The reason that Eddie Murphy doesn't, there's no jokes in that stuff is because apparently Eddie Murphy wouldn't go off script because he had no fucking idea what he was saying or doing. So he just stuck to the script because they were trying to make that authentic. But even him, who had been working on this movie and talking to people, still had no fucking clue what he was doing in yeah, the dialogue. In the scene. To which? In the scene where he's on the stock exchange selling and buying, he doesn't oh, screw around man. or do any ad lib because he honestly didn't know what the fuck the scene was about because he didn't understand, still didn't understand what they were doing for the commodities trades. They, they, had a mar- they had a margin call. So once they have a margin call on a future, it doesn't matter what the stock does. That's what they get. That's the price they get. And so they, they locked it in so that no matter how it fluctuated, they are going to end up with a shitload of money at the end of the day is how it explains it. Once yeah, again, still they don't they really they basically, it, but. They basically had their shares at like 35 bucks a pop. And the Duke brothers had to pay them for like what they bought for like a dollar, a dollar 40 a pop, 140. They also said that that what happened to the Duke brothers is realistic in the movie, how quickly it was, because when they have a future margin call it, it, when you have that, when you're doing playing futures, you have to pay it at the end of the day, no matter what. And the people in the stock exchange knew that they owed so much money that the Dukes didn't have it. So they're like, take all their shit. And pound it all it's all ours now because they knew that they were way above any cash that they could liquidate to pay for those stocks so i guess that's that's exactly what they would have done which is crazy because it seems so quick they're yeah. like rich one minute and in the blink of an eye they have nothing and they're in debt yeah it's yeah, funny I mean, it's, you can leverage yourself crazy. way beyond real fast oh yeah absolute once you start playing then you they get a little bit of credit and then you got to answer to the big guys and they said Um, the reason it would work the other way with those guys who had not a lot of money was that they knew what based on the margin call at the end of the day that they could loan them the money until those other people paid them back yeah so they can get whatever the fuck they wanted because they had so much money that won't over leverage themselves was owed to them yeah for just that day's trading it's crazy yep yeah, so I find um, that that helps make the end of this movie like super satisfying for me because what they do um, is basically they outsmart the enemy in a way that, you know, even if I didn't understand exactly what was happening or even do completely today, I, I understand enough of it um, that it's super satisfying when they take those douchebag Duke brothers out and then do the whole uh, $1 joke thing back at their face. Um, that's all quite satisfying for me. Also, and Don so, Amici's delivery of the line when his brother is having a heart attack. Fuck him! Turn those machines back on! So he awesome. would only say that one time. He didn't actually want to swear. He didn't like swearing. So he said he would do it one time, but he wasn't going to do it a second time. Yeah. So he said, fuck him once, and that was it. He wouldn't do it again. He, so, he nailed it. <laughs> whatever nailed that take it. was. Yeah, he did really sound like he meant it. 
Also, we completely forgot to talk about an inconsistency where, what is the guy's name, Beeks? Beeks? Clarence Beeks, yeah. So Clarence Beeks not only steals the Orioles' futures for them, but Clarence Beeks is also the person that they use to destroy Dan Aykroyd's life and to make Eddie Murphy's life, or to, to basically to swap. So he uses them to do that, but when he runs into them on the train... He's, he's in that car with them for a long period of time and has no fucking idea who they are. And their costumes... <laughs> are, like, Eddie Murphy's not even, like, in disguise. He's just wearing a fucking hat. It's not like he had prosthetics on his face or something. That's clearly the same person. And also, he paid um, the hooker, who's played by Jamie Lee Curtis, to flirt with or kiss Dan Aykroyd. So he knew her as well. So, I mean, mm -hmm. the only person he didn't know was Bitterman, our whole... Is it not Bitterman? Coleman. Sorry. Coleman. Bitterman is Martha. <laughs> so, that didn't really make sense to me. I can't believe I didn't notice that the many other times I had viewed this movie. That doesn't make sense. And they edit it to look like he sees the briefcase move. Yeah. So, if he saw the briefcase move, that wouldn't have done anything for their futures move. Yeah. That's true. And also, what did they... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. I fixed yeah. that last part of my dilemma. By and what about... And, and Dan Aykroyd does... Uh, blackface. Blackface, yeah. Forgiveness, yes or no? I say no. <laughs> His blackface was not even like... There was no nuance to it. I think he was playing Jamaican. He had dreadlocks. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any forgiveness for that. He Interesting was, um, move, for sure. Well... Once like again, any, this is 83, so yeah. I, I don't think any, there was like, I mean, this was a feature film in thousands of movie theaters. Yeah, it's true. And you get they to see James Belushi in his underwear um, and you make the, the main henchman bad guy get raped by a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. Master yeah, stroke. But like I said, gorillas aren't well endowed, so that's not really that uncomfortable. Yeah, that's maybe it's so he's uh, gonna snuggles, be okay. I think, is the worst part. He'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I agree with Colin with Beaks being a little bit out of character for that monkey thing. Um, especially it did not help set it up that when they he actually meets the monkey. So yeah, there's a weird thing too where where the monkey had Beaks had to make fun of the monkey in a weird way, be very immature and like stick his tongue out or whatever at the monkey through the window for the monkey to rape him. I I don't know why you needed that scene. The monkey. He's just That's an asshole to the monkey as they drive by. Like yeah. just as like this childish thing where he's like sees this monkey and he's like has to be a dick to it. It just doesn't make any fucking sense that a guy uh, like this. Would, so then he would, deserves to be raped what, by it, I guess. No, no, no. The reason why he raped, well, he gets raped by it. He deserves that because he's the bad guy in the movie. But what happens is he knocks out James Belushi when he's wearing the gorilla costume. And he's like, oh, this fucking bastard's treating gorillas like a dick. So he's like, I'm gonna fucking That's what I'm rape saying. him. So, so you don't even need the the juvenile, immature. Um, no, exactly. Yeah, scene. it's silly. Yeah, no, you don't need any of that. No, I don't know why that's in there. Or why it was written? Shot I think it's in edited. there just to introduce the gorilla. Oh, because otherwise, yeah. you just get to a scene where there's a gorilla, and you're like, that's, why the fuck is there a gorilla on this train? But if you see them bringing a gorilla on the train, at least uh, you're tracking it somewhere. Yeah, it's like setup. It's like foreshadowing for the gorilla. Wait. The, the the gorilla rape yes, yeah I mean I it's kind of right. weird but it, it serves its purpose I guess it's just a couple seconds anyways so yeah yep um, yep yappers 
What else do you guys like? Anything else standing out to you for Austin? Awesome? Curtis is what, great. What didn't people like? I, uh, a few. I, the ending kind of clicks weird. Like John said, the structure of it, it kind of hiccups. It, it's, that, but I like it, right? Ultimately, I, I like the. It does, but I, it feels long. It feels like it goes long because it's. It does go Because long. you're trending so long after that suicide attempt. Yeah. Like for you to have that tremendous down right there and then the end is like because there's never another doubt. The end is just like it's all just positive plan goes perfectly. Yeah. And there's like a huge train scene and then there's the exchange of the information and then there's the trading scene. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of shit that goes on after he's down and that shit usually would come a little bit close to the end. And like Colin's probably right. There's there's probably a ton of examples of movies that run long like this and that after the dark night, but it just, it, it, it doesn't ruin the movie, but it does make it, it slows time down a bit. Yeah. It's, Cause this, it's this an movie older is structure. It's a structure. It's kind of how movies used to be more structured. You'd have the dark night of the soul. And then the, the last part of the movie would be a little too long. It'd be like 15, 20, 25 minutes sometimes. And nowadays it tends to be when that shit goes down that the movie's over in like 10 so I think that's just kind of like an old way of filmmaking that used to be acceptable. That's kind of how it feels. This movie gets off to like a quick start. The, the 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 when they make the bet is at like 13 minutes in, which is like great timing for an hour 50 movie. Um but then it's just it's interesting. It's it's yeah, the the the, the kind of big climax is is getting the, when the guys get together and realize they got to they stop fighting each other and they then they team up, right? Like that's kind of the, that's almost the conclusion um, in a way because that whole conflict is now resolved and now we're going to move forward against the true enemy. But yeah, there's no, there's not much conflict after that. It just, like no, Brent said, everything none. goes off without a hitch. Like their plan is complicated, but they never seem out of control. Like Dan Aykroyd is like, wait for it. He's like smirking and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm supremely confident here. I'm not worried at all. And it's not, it's not funny enough to carry through the last, it's exciting, but it's not funny. So, um, that's, so it's interesting. Right. That's why no the hiccups. whole, that's why the whole beaks finding out about them and pointing a gun at them. The problem with that being um, them trying to create tension is they were so much more worse off before. Like Dan Aykroyd had a gun to his head and he was eating salmon through a beard. Like Ugh, that gross. that little tiny hiccup isn't enough to like be interesting anymore. Like they're way beyond some silly little, I got a gun, oh, monkey knocks me out in like five seconds. Like who cares? <laughs> it, it's not enough of a tension or a conflict to lead up to the end they, they maybe they shouldn't have had the whole train thing they should have just like said no. they you know yeah it should have been quicker no you don't need the train thing the thing about this movie is that it's there's a lot of setup to do here because we need to get to know the duke brothers we need to get to know that they're going to make this bet we need to know um um billy ray and we need to know Winthorpe, right and then we need to see how that all fits in together so that it can go so then also, like you're saying, you don't feel like Billy Ray is established enough to be speaking like that. 
So maybe you could do a bit more development there. Also, we felt like Jamie Lee was a bit rushed with her um, affection for Winthorpe. Like she immediately goes for it. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, there could be more development there with that love story as well. So those transitions didn't need to be so fast. There could have been some more space there, some more get to know you. Like that, like John said, that 13 minutes where they make the bet, like the beginning of the movie clips along and you understand who everybody is and then the bet's made and we're on our way, fine. But that there could have been much more development throughout the middle of this movie. So when that dark night comes where fucking Aykroyd's going to kill himself, I mean, we are reaching that appropriate time. So when we clean it up with the stock market thing, right? Like you could very easily still have them scam, um, um, get the shit from Beaks and then do the stock thing. You probably don't need the train scene to tell you the truth. Like the train scene is no, kind of don't. like charming. That's, that's where it that's, starts that's to go nostalgic, wrong. But yeah. I don't they think could they have just stolen. They they should have gotten that much quicker. They, they you don't need everybody in these weird characters. Like it was like now that we've met all the characters and we like them, let's play dress up. It's Halloween. He'll yeah. be Jamaican. She'll be Swedish. Like it was weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah, and that for she them to had, do. that she got her her axe her nationality wrong. She's wearing <laughs> yeah. lederhosen, which is an Austrian thing. But she's like, no, nah. and she's very insistent. I'm from Sweden with the Swedish meatballs, and then they're like all looking at each other also suspiciously. Nothing ever comes of that. That's not what yeah. tips them off to Beaks or even makes them more suspicious. Actually, just, no one tips them off. He just like for some just, reason they yeah. ad, they added in him a shot of him looking or something. Yeah. So nothing, um, their, their plan is useless. I agree with Brent. You you could have added way more of the... There's so much the, time spent there. You could have taken that out and then made the ending shorter and had so much of a richer characterization of of the characters. Yeah. Like Give those Eddie three, Murphy they're, too they're quickly. Due. Eddie Murphy should have, if you would have done the characterization, Eddie Murphy would have had that first party and he would have like, he would have slept with all the girls and had a lot of fun. But people would have stayed and hung around, and that's when he would have got pissed off. But instead, they make him instantly go there. He instantly goes from like being a show-off to instantly hating everyone touching his things and getting out of his house. He doesn't even enjoy it for like one party. I, I, that always bothered me. I felt like that was way too quick. Well, and then also, like if you're thinking about the, um, the him, like the transition those guys make is immediate, right? Like those guys make the bet. Those guys get into the other situation and they're immediately like downtrodden and immediately a successful guy. Um, you could put you could put um, Murphy on a like with a little bit of challenges stepping into that role. Right. Like you're saying, like if you want to see him not be as polished as he is, you can do that. And you can the thing with that train scene is that allows those guys to all be their characters a little bit more because they're all the personalities and it just gives us a little more face time as the audience with them to kind of appreciate what their their talents are just to watch them be funny, basically. Right. Yeah. It's fucking masturbation. So if you take that time, the train time instead, and you put it on Eddie Murphy, maybe taking a couple of days where he's like in the fucking firm where he's kind of doing some missteps. You have some doubts. There's tension there whether the bet will work or not. But there's never any doubt because they make the bet yeah. and it's immediately right. proven. It's yep. basically yeah, a coin totally flip right. fast. Yeah, Eddie Murphy never, once he gets the money and stuff, nothing really bad happens for him. He has no struggles. He yeah. like coasts. He coasts through everything. He has to kick a couple of people out of his house. Boo-hoo. But other than that, he's got nothing. He should be struggling just as much. Not just, just to get as it much. right. Obviously, but both of them Just should be struggling right, yeah. and then yeah. they both come to shitty points like maybe Eddie's got a big deal coming up and he's going to fuck it up and he knows it. 
and he's got a speech or something, and what's his name comes and breaks in with the salmon. Do you know what I mean? You got to crescendo their arcs at the same time. Otherwise, yeah. Eddie Murphy's just up, 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 and Dan Aykroyd just down, 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 and that's kind of well, boring. And at least with Aykroyd, though, you see him try to get back on his feet, but you never see Murphy struggle. Like you see Aykroyd go to the bank. Never. You see Aykroyd go to his old friends to try to get another loan. Um, you know, you see him pleading and and trying and failing, right? Yeah, yeah. But like Murphy Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman's a good example. Like Julie Roberts reaches out to her friend Kit, and then she comes and tries to help her be have money, and you know, like she can't, she doesn't know what she's doing. So Kit comes and talks to her. Yeah, Eddie could have had a guy from the street come and hang out with him, and he could like ask for his advice, a wise person or something. Yeah, yeah. That'd have been more interesting. I wonder now, um, if I'm thinking about it, it seems like Aykroyd, when the two are split, that Aykroyd has more of the screen time and he has a lot more of the upfront time because you, there's more of him in his previous life than there is with, with Eddie, really. Eddie gets to spend a bit of time with the cops, but the minute that happens, he gets he gets busted, right? And that's where we kind of start his story a bit. But with Dan Aykroyd, we've seen more of his stuff. We've seen more of Penelope. And then we because um, uh, Ophelia... Uh, is a character in this movie that they focus on quite a bit. She she ups the amount of screen time that Dan Aykroyd gets as well. So, um, yeah, I think, no I think ar- if they yeah, had a spread has it, no arc. Yeah, if yeah, they had Eddie a spread no it a bit. Arc. Yeah, no, well, I guess it's, but it's like I, I actually understood and accepted the explanation that Brent had, had given. And I guess if you wanted to cut this movie f- for time, that's an excellent opportunity because... Um, It'd be like, who wouldn't love to just be rich one day? It'd be like, boom, I've adapted. But, but Dan, but Dan Aykroyd <laughs> This is my learns, final form. Dan Aykroyd learns yeah, something. Yeah, that side of it? Dan, Dan Aykroyd learns something and changes from his experiences of becoming poor. Eddie Murphy doesn't learn. He's just some fast-talking, once-again, street guy. He doesn't learn anything. Uh, like, he just... What is Eddie Murphy? How does he change? He doesn't change at all. I think, I think... Well, just, I think yeah, the thing with change. Eddie Murphy is... So Dan Aykroyd changes, Murphy doesn't change, we change. Our perception changes because of Eddie Murphy. Because we see that just like that that the uh the very the, the what we see isn't always the case, right? Like we see a guy on the street that's that's a con man or or a beggar or whatever you're going to say and we think that he's one thing, but we see that actually it's like environmental. We and we change our perception I think goes from seeing him as this homeless guy, whatever, to we grow to see that people are actually much deeper than they are perceived at like skin level, right? So I think that's that's the thing with Murphy. I think Aykroyd is mm-hmm. is a is the arc, and I think with Murphy, we're the arc. Interesting. Yeah, no, Aykroyd's the first. It's so funny because his first two movies, Forty Eight Hours, is the same. Nick Nolte and Aykroyd are the main characters, and he's yeah. more like comic relief. And he doesn't have an arc. He just he's just there to be himself. Whoever his character is, he's fun. Hmm. He he's charming. Like like because nothing changes for him in forty eight hours See, either. It's un- right? I think <laughs> I, yeah no I think that's true. And I think what's unfortunate I'm I'm just reflecting on what Brent said, and I I hundred percent agree that our perspective does change, which is good. But it could have been that Aykroyd had an arc, Murphy had an arc, and we we had yeah an you arc get an you get it all could have had the trifecta. Yeah. I mean, there there definitely can be probably. It's just like 
I know that not always does the character need to arc. Sometimes the people that change are us in the movies. Yeah. And that's all intentional, right? That's so fair. I, I, to yeah. me, that's not a big problem. No. no. And, and and you know what? I, there's still plenty of this movie that I like, um, but I like dissecting it. This, this last bit of our conversation, these last 10 minutes or so, has been really, really interesting and eye-opening on, on where some of the like conventional gaps are and, and how that manifests throughout the movie. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I think punching up, punching up Eddie and Jamie Lee's characters a bit more and then reducing the, getting rid of the train scene, find another way for them to get that crop report. And then they can still go to the brokerage, but you just speed all that shit along. That whole train yeah. thing's like 15, 20 minutes. Like you could have like saved it's, so much time in the front end that you could have, you could have done so many cool things with that well, those pages. And what if the characters like used their skills in that in that train scenario? Like Jamie Lee was like a wooer instead of a bad actress. And um, what's his name? Uh, um, Coulson could have Coleman? used like his organizational. Yeah, Coleman could have used his organizational skills, and Eddie could have used his street smarts, and Dan Aykroyd could have used his his like finance brains and done whatever it took to like get one over on it. instead yeah, it's like not, yeah no, it makes no sense a, fucking, a group that comes together are we yeah. actors no i've never acted in my life let's act okay that's a great idea that's no that's not a good idea i'll be a i'll be a jamaican what no you can't do that yeah i'm gonna be jamaican you <laughs> that's watch the worst idea and he's yeah. holding the shotgun whoever, so everyone agrees who, right no whoever and everyone looks at him he's like whoever, it's okay it's 83 there's no there's no way that was a group decision that they're like who could who could uh What's Winthorpe be? Oh, he could play Jamaican. Ooh, that's a good idea. What? Who came up with that idea? Couldn't the black guy play Jamaican just, you know, be a little bit closer there? And make the other guy from, like, South Africa, so it's a little more believable that he's white. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, he's one of the 1% or 0.0% in South Africa. Do you know what I do wonder about this is, like, so like we discussed, like Gene Wilder and, and Richard Pryor were originally the concept for these two guys, right? Yep. So Richard Pryor, gigantic star at this time, right? Huge, um, huge, yeah. And I and Vegas. Eddie Murphy very much just getting rolling, yep. right? Like like young, just starting to get up there, definitely famous, um, but just starting to pick up speed. So I wonder if it was Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. I wonder if Richard Pryor gets more time i wonder if richard Pryor does have more of that um space that like Ackroyd has because like john landis worked with Ackroyd before he knows who he is what he's capable of so there's probably um more trust there too because he would have been more established right hmm. eddie murphy being more new and a more recent thing maybe they didn't give him as much material um because he wasn't yet you know his, his teeth weren't cut as much yet whereas like richard Pryor in that role definitely um that's a fucking a pro, right? There's so a really funny the trivia. Yeah. There's a really funny trivia where the two actors who play the Duke brothers, one one had been acting for 50 years and the other one had been acting for 49 and Eddie Murphy had been acting for one year and uh, neither of none of them had neither of them had heard of Eddie Murphy or Dan Aykroyd. They didn't know who they were. But uh so Eddie Murphy joked one day that between the three of them they, they had 100 years of acting talent. Because <laughs> forty nine fifty in the one, so I thought that was a funny joke. But they had no clue who he was. Yeah, yeah, it is funny. <laughs> this is his second movie, but I mean, he was huge on SNL. But these guys weren't watching that, obviously. Noise. They don't strike me as the SNL kind. Yeah, they might not have, might not have been their brand. Um, are we ready to call it? 
I, I, I think so. It's it's a shame, like, no one scene for comedy, like, other than uh, Beak saying fuck off to the lady when he's on the phone. Um, this movie makes me laugh a ton, a lot. This movie also, I mean, this is a classic for me personally. This is some of the, one of the, you know, earlier comedies I remember watching. Um, and, uh, it's always gives me those kind of warm, fuzzy feelings. So this one's kind of like slipping into a warm bath. Um, and I still dig it a lot, a lot of the funny scenes, but I couldn't help but pay attention to more of the slightly structured or structural things that kind of bothered me this time. It made the movie seem like it ran longer than it needed to for sure. Um, but I really appreciated the the comedy how it stayed consistent the whole way through everyone was able to do their role um so well a super funny movie super funny movie um so i don't know maybe it's a little bit of my own personal bias i'm going to say it holds up though because um it just gets enough of the it does resolve the story at the end so i wish it happened a bit faster and i wish i knew more about eddie but you can you can just say you know it would be way easier to get rich than to than to come from being a millionaire to, to having nothing so um, I'll, I'll go with that as maybe making sense for what we see here um, and then please don't ever remake this movie to try and address any of the things we talked about we don't need to see this ever again but yeah it's right. kind of like a this is like a freaky Friday like the dual fish out of water uh, taking over the others you know let's swap places for a day so I always kind of it's funny when um, when they can pull that kind of thing off and this one did good music throughout this movie very representative um, yeah, shorten a couple, shave a couple minutes off, concentrate on the characters a little bit more. This could have been like a super perfect gem, but instead it's just, just a gem. It's still funny. I'll watch this anytime it's on. Uh, seriously, any, for the actors alone being as charming as they are and that there are laughs make, means you can come back to this time after time. Um, also Jamie Lee Curtis gets nude, which is pretty great. Yeah. I'm pretty sure no Brent's going to say that. those hold up. What? Hold up. All right. So I say it holds up. What are you, what are you thinking, Brent? Uh, I think it holds up too. I think obviously there's some problems. That train thing in the back, like I say, is just pure masturbation. It's you got Belushi in there, you got Stuart Smiley, you got some, uh, you got all of our our care our cast. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's very clearly just a moment for them to have a gag. Like you made a comment in the beginning of this, where you said that there's a, what prevents this from being a collection of skits, which. I think could be said about any movie really if you consider scenes they could very easily go wrong and be a skit in a comedy anyways right? yeah specifically comedies i think but yeah uh, um and so i think that that's what that is that train scene is basically the point where at this movie where it becomes just a skit that's placed into it mm. um it's nothing that ruins it for me and and as I'm a fan of all those actors and I'm a fan of that silliness in general, I, I don't mind watching that train shit. Um, but if I'm talking about the movie and as far as like how it could be structured and how it could be tightened up and kind of cinched around, I think that that train scene can go. Um, Do you know what? Like um, some of the Monty Python skits that didn't carry the story forward at all. Mm-hmm. that's where it can go wrong because in the train scene they do get the plans and they do get one up on beaks they get something out of it and they move the story along it just takes way too fucking long and most of it has absolutely nothing to do with everything up to that point it's just yeah. the, diff- the same people doing different things and then then it's like oh by the way this that the other thing a gorilla i'm unconscious rape off we go right it's like what happened <laughs> what yeah so yeah that that's why it, it 
it doesn't spoil it, but it's just not great, I think. So sorry to cut you off. Just wanted to support you there, brah. No, no, all good. I, I welcome any support I can get. Um, so yeah, it holds up for me. I fucking love this movie. It's the same for me as John. This is nostalgic for me. I'll watch it anytime it's on. I, I actually, I fucking love this movie to tell you the truth. And it might be because it's been around uh, almost as long as I have. And it's been in my life for goddamn, what's it? 28 years. Yeah. No, 38 years. 38. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Not that I watched it when I was born, but you know what the fuck <laughs> I'm talking about. This is great. Colin, you talk, talk now. words. So I will say it holds up, but man, it was close because that train thing came out of that whole thing comes out of nowhere and it could have really spoiled this. I think it, it comes really close to spoiling this. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. None of them are good at doing what they decided. Their plan is the worst it's plan. It's awful. Well, they're they're also like, we'll all cr- dress in disguises of, of races of other people we don't really know anything about. And we'll fool this guy who's super sophisticated and works for these like billionaires and like fucked us over. Oh, Their plan you know is what? awful. This is the time for Eddie Murphy to shine. Eddie Murphy's the con man in the group. Yes. He yeah, is the guy totally. that actually does know how to do this. Yeah. yeah. So this should have been the time for him to be like, because Winthorpe's the guy that comes up with the short selling plan. Winthorpe's the guy that's like, yeah, this that's is right. what we're going to do to fuck them. Yeah. This could have been Murphy's part of that plan. Yeah. That could have given both of our main characters, like obviously Ackroyd's the main main, but Murphy's definitely supporting and close to main character. Yeah. That gives him a fucking a bit of blood in, this, in the game as well, or whatever that saying could it's be totally that I true. think of. I'll that's, actually that's totally say true. that for my holdup as well, the reason why is not Murphy, but I think it's Ackroyd. I found mm-hmm. the Dan Ackroyd stuff much funnier this time because of his entitlement and stuff. There's just something that like uh, that was really and then the way people reacted like Frank Oz and the other cops they're like those are my favorite scenes when he's in jail and they're trying to make him take his clothes off and he's like are you seeing this man are you seeing he touched me he's abusing me or whatever it's so his I actually do kind of I I do care for him and want him to succeed he did get super fucked over <laughs> and his entitlement doesn't ruin that for me it actually makes I, I find that kind of there's something funny and charming about that as well as naivety of uh, the way the world works outside of his bubble yeah. is funny in a way. So, yeah, I think it still does hold up. Um, and I, I've watched this uh, many times when I was younger um, in this. But it used to be I think I definitely used to be more leaning towards Murphy in this one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Murphy's the more immediately likable guy. Yeah, he's got but a, I just he's got a bigger personality to him. I think the writing was smarter almost with the Ackroyd stuff this time uh, than I'd, I'd noticed before. I really Agreed. liked it. Yeah, it's decent. Yeah, right on. Definitely worth checking out. Um, it is weird when they're there, like cleaning their shotguns, planning their future, that they see Clarence Beaks on a news program at the time. That's pretty convenient. It takes a weird turn. Yeah, it's. <sighs> There's little things like that, but then there's also nice touches like um, when he's begging Ophelia to to take pity on him and she's in the cab and she asks him to come over and she looks at his hands. And I think that's when she makes a decision that like no homeless, crazy person would have a manicure in hands like this, like he's telling the truth. So I'm going to invest in him. Yeah, there's something to this. She even calls him an investment. I actually like a lot of her dialogue. I I think Brent is right. They there, there should have been another moment where. They, I think they make it about him being sick and stuff and that she becomes like really nurturing. But I think there should have been something else where she saw him 
do something or he says something to another human being or to her and she's like he's actually a decent person you don't really there wasn't that moment that that could have been in there she gets naked to snuggle behind him before anything. Like, yeah, what is yeah. that I, even about? I get that he's. I, don't get, I get that, that he's got a fever and he needs like he wants you. You know, you're gonna snuggle up next to him to give him warmth. But guess what? Flannel pajama is gonna fucking accomplish that shit. This she same. also gets naked before that as well in the mirror and shows off her breast to him and then closes the door. She says that, the that was promotion because she goes, yeah. not everything in this apartment is free. And then she well, she knows he doesn't have any money. So what kind of a tease is that? Yeah, she thinks know. he does. <laughs> she's, she's planning for the future. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. She's laying her own future bets. Yeah. Oh, she's like, these are too great. If I show these to somebody, they're going to buy them again later. He's going to get so. money from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll steal it. He got a gun right away. Like he's going to, he's going to get money. He oh yeah. Right on. Well, Trading Places, go check it out. It's a real fun, wholesome movie. Good for the whole family because, yes, great. Probably yeah, not for the whole family, young, you know. Young kids watch this. Yes, absolutely. If you want to see the naked uh, physical specimens, then check it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. What do we got coming up next week? Oh, I know what it is. It's the last Samurai. No, last Samurai. Oh. Samurai? I'm excited for that one. Yep. So we'll be dropping that one next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this one. It's always so long. Join us. Yeah, it's a bit of a long one. We'll make it a reasonably length podcast. We promise. Okay. Thanks for checking in, and uh, we'll see you next time. And as always, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.